Imagine yourself waking to life and discovering yourself in a dead, cold, barren world. Your only hope of escape is a long abandoned temple far in the distance. But to get there, you'll have to travel through some ruins of a surreal, nightmarish landscape. Ones that combine life, the biological, with that of the mechanical, in a way that very few have seen. But you are not alone wandering these dead halls. For in there are some organisms, ones that should never have been to life. Will you be able to survive and make it to the end? Find out. We talk about scorn. Welcome back to the Pixel Horror Video Game Podcast, the show where each episode we take a look at different video games all featuring the same theme of, you guessed it, horror. From those big AAA titles you know and love, to those small indies you might not even heard of. We're looking to check them out all and talk about what's great, what's bad, and hopefully what's scary. I'm your host into this little journey into the darkness, Duke. Nuke McCracken. Now, on today's episode, we're actually talking about a game that I am very, very excited about. We're going to be looking at a game called Scorn. This is a first-person survival horror game developed by Ib Software and published by Kepler Interactive. It's released on October of 2022. Now, Ib Software is a Siberian developer. Really don't have anything else under the belt except for this one particular game, which they've been working on for quite a few years. Kepler Interactives has actually released a, or helped publish a few different titles that you may have heard of, such as Sifu, Tachia, and even the couple of Cat Quest games. This is a very unique looking game, and if you're watching the video version of this on YouTube, you'll see why, because this has a truly unique art design. One that, from when I first saw it, I was absolutely captivated. But they drew a great deal of their inspiration from the works of a couple of fairly famed artists. The first being H.R. Geiger, a Swedish artist who's probably most popularly known for his work on a little bit of a, well, somewhat famous horror movie franchise known as Alien. It's also been inspired by the works of Zizlav Kinski a Polish artist who's known for doing a lot of kind of post-apocalyptic type artwork. And very, well, put these guys together, you're getting some very, very dark stuff. The stuff that's very appealing. Let's talk a little bit about some of the development that went into this game. So this was actually first announced back in 2014, in which they showed off some pretty early pre-alpha builds for what they were trying to do. Their kind of vision was kind of going to the world of the space jockeys in the Alien movies. You don't know who the space jockeys were. They were very tall, humanoid-like beings, but ones that we never really got a lot of answers on until some of these later Alien movies that came out over the last couple of years, and still there seems to be quite a bit of mystery of them. Now, with the showing of this early pre-alpha build, they're really hoping to draw up a lot of, well, attention. Because they did need a bit of help trying to finance this game. So they did turn to a very famous place that a lot of entities seem to be turning to. and turned to Kickstarter. But unfortunately, like a lot of other games which have come to a great deal of retrition from turning to this. Uh, they actually didn't make it. They fell quite a bit short. 
But luckily for them, the following year, a private investor actually able to step in and give them the funds to help them start making this game. A few years later, though, they did come out and say that they were just actually going to go ahead and release both parts together just because uh, how progress was working on this game. And they tried launching a, another Kickstarter. This time, they actually proved fairly successful for them. And despite quite a few backers being a little cautious as this game was taking quite a bit of time coming out and really wasn't a great deal to talk about. They were pretty silent about it. They were actually able to finally get this game out the door in 2022. And the trailers that they showed early in the year definitely showed something really spectacular in my opinion. Now as far as reviews for this game... It's actually receiving pretty well mixed to average reviews. A great deal of people and websites definitely praise the art style as well as some of the puzzles that go into the game. But one of the biggest criticisms that seems to be fairly well universal is that the combat mechanics in this game definitely fall short and are not satisfying. But overall, it's actually done somewhat fairly well has been released on next-gen consoles, so PlayStation 5 is actually going to be coming out here pretty soon. You currently can get it on Xbox S and X, as well as Steam and Good Old Games, and even the Epic Store. So the blurb for this game is Scorn is an atmospheric first-person horror adventure game set in a nightmarish universe of odd forms and somber tapestry. Joe says a Fairly apt description, because while the art design is truly stunning, it is a very bleak world, which is actually fitting for what's going on here. For my personal thoughts on the game, I actually did try this out a few months ago, and I actually did very much enjoy it. I would agree that the combat is definitely the weaker part of the game. It could use either much approving or maybe even been possibly pulled out. As far as the style and the general horror for it, I would actually fairly much recommend this game for quite a few people. Just a few little heads up that it can be a little unsettling as far as some of the imagery and actions that you do see happen through the game. If you're looking for horror games that tend to be more focused on those kind of jump scares, that sort of stuff, this is probably not going to be the one for you. This is more about atmosphere. As well as you may want to make sure you don't have anyone particularly younger around when you're checking out this game. As some of the later sections could be a little bit of the adult themed. The last thing I would say about this game is that if you're looking for something that has a deep and rich story, this probably won't be the game for you as they... Well, their goal was when they made this game is just kind of throw you into this world. And that's pretty much what they do. They're not going to be finding anything as far as notes, audio logs. not going to be lore dumps. In fact, you're really not even going to meet much in the way of characters. So speaking of characters, there's really only about two in the game. In fact, they're both there going to be your protagonist that you're going to be playing as. You're going to start the game as one character who, while they never gave you any names for, we're just going to refer to him as the Elder. He seems to be a little bit more older of these beings that live on this planet. They're fairly humanoid looking, just not much in the way of skin, so you can go see a lot of their kind of muscles. Bone structures tend to stick out a lot. A little on the gruesome side to check out. And he seems to be a little bit older when you get to meet him. Then after the first act, you take control of a second protagonist, who we'll call the youth. As he seems to be very much just born into this world. This will be the character that you're going to play throughout the rest of the game. And you're never really going to get to see anything as far as personality or anything about these characters. They're really just there for you to kind of put yourself into their shoes and try to fill the world through them. Now for enemies... We actually do have a little small variety of enemies that we will encounter. Not much in the way of the antagonist. There's one character that you do encounter, we'll say. He's known as the Parasite. And he's 
Ooh, trying to figure out how it's got. I think it's kind of like a sluggish looking thing with a couple arms and a very long tail. We're going to encounter him a little ways into the second act and he'll be sticking with you throughout the game. Well, you might kind of be thinking at some moments that possibly he's here to help you like, like a little friend. We'll quickly learn that, no, he seems to be wanting something from you and something not good, and he doesn't mind letting you know by usually ripping out your insides. Now, we'll counter some actual enemies that we will be doing combat with. Start with the workers. Trying to describe the workers, think of a bag of dead human meat with a couple arms and a couple legs. We're going to counter these enemies probably the most throughout the game. They seem to be, well, think of them like as worker ants. Not overly complicated enemies, but if you do come aware of you, they will kind of come after you. They can take a little swipe at you from shorter ranges, but their most general attack seems to be spitting acids. They do have to be somewhat close. As long as you keep your distance, you can be okay. You will see these guys kind of spreading a certain sickness around this world. The second type of enemy we're going to encounter the most often, I like to call, well, what else but the chicken. This seems to be like a very much featherless chicken, just with a fairly large bulbous head. Now, these guys are pretty weak and go down to a couple shots or hits usually, but they do mostly focus on a little bit longer range attack, so they can be quite annoying. The next enemies you will encounter are actually going to be fairly passive. You're really not going to have to worry about them. They're called the floaters. Kind of jellyfish looking things. They just kind of float around. Seem to be helping the workers in some particular way. You'll encounter them a couple times. It can go down with usually one shot. But it's not even worth their ammo because they really don't care about you at all. We'll also meet this kind of trap looking enemy. Just seems to be some sort of tentacle that just hangs from the ceilings on a rare occasion. Have a little bit of a glowing tip to them. You get too close, they do love to spit acid on you. Just gotta make sure you kind of keep your eyes overhead and move through quickly. Next up, we have the Brutes. The Brutes are, how do we describe them? Imagine the workers, the kind of big bags of flesh. These guys have been making sure they've been hitting the gym very often. They seem to be skipping arm and leg day. Very big and bulby in the body, but very thin legs. They don't have any ranged attacks, but when they do see you, they will come at you fairly aggressively and will charge you, and they can hit for quite a bit of damage. And being the big, kind of sturdy guys they are, they're going to take quite a few shots, so this is going to be one of the times you really want to pop up one of your more stronger weapons like the shotgun. The final enemy we're going to encounter is well, not one you're really going to have to worry too much about. She's called the Crater Queen. She seems to be in hostile and very much immobile, because she's very much stuck on the top of an elevator. But that seems to be where all these other little creatures kind of seem to be spawning from. We'll go into a little bit more about her with the plot. Our last enemies we're going to count in the game are known as Homunculi. These are going to be some... Very much deformed babies that seem to be trapped in some kind of little red pods. Now, they may not sound particularly dangerous based on the description, but when you encounter these guys, they're usually going to be attached to a large mechanized suit that features a very powerful weapon that can very much mess you up. Before we actually start breaking down this game, today's episode has actually been brought by a special sponsor. Today's sponsor is... Polis Mechanized Suits. Just because you're a deformed baby, brought into this world in a ugly red pod, doesn't mean you're doomed to just be a battery. Enjoy life with a Polis Mechanized Suit. Arms and legs will be able to join all the fine qualities of life. Going to the beach. Eating popcorn at the movie. Fine dining. Riding roller coasters and everything else you could ever want out of life. With Polis Mechanized Suits, you'll be able to enjoy life in a way you never thought possible. Now, 
with the optional grenade launcher, just for those who like to celebrate the 4th of July in that explosive way. Polis, mechanized suits. Now for the items throughout this game, we're going to be using quite a few different things. Starting with what seems to be a kind of key-like device, which is going to be pretty much just stapled straight to our hands. Going to be one of our earliest items. One of the next items we're going to be using quite a bit seems to be a remote door activating type device. It looks kind of like the, like a number nine. It has a few little lights that you'll eventually light up. And the more you light up, the more doors you can open up. Now our next item is going to be a very helpful one. It's going to be looking like something I would say a, well imagine a flattened octopus with some really short stubby arms. With this item, we're going to be able to insert into various devices we're going to find throughout all the little buildings we're going to be checking out. And this is actually what we're using to heal ourselves, as well as hold our spare ammo. So let's talk about our weapons that we're going to be using. The primary weapon that you're going to be using is actually a kind of a multifunction weapon. The tips breaks off and you'll be able to add new items to change up what it could be doing. The first item that you're going to be encountering and it's going to start with seems to be called the bolt gun. And imagine just a kind of like a power tool with a piston on the end. You trigger it, it jumps out and forms a kind of a little melee tack. You know, it's not very, very long range. You have to be fairly close. It also doubles as a item that you're going to need to open certain doors. The next attachment we'll find is basically a pistol. It's an okay weapon. You're going to find the most ammo for it, and it's probably going to be your primary weapon, I would say, to use throughout the game. The workers you can usually take out in probably three to four shots. Chickens tend to go to Valon too. Really wouldn't recommend you use this for the brute, though. The third attachment we're going to find is basically going to be a shotgun type attachment. Offers three barrels and holds three rounds at a time. Not very effective at long ranges, but at short ranges, it is quite powerful. And this is the thing that you're going to want to pull out when you run across those brutes. A couple shots will very much take them down. The final weapon we'll find is going to be in the last part of the game. And it is a pretty much a grenade launcher. Very powerful. And for a couple cases, it's going to be needed to use or just kind of solve a few little puzzles. But we're not going to have it too particularly long, though. As the last little parts of the game are more, less about combat and more about puzzle solving. Finally, we're here at the plot. Now, before we go into the plot, is it's actually fairly simple. It really kind of leaves things up to you, but we'll talk about stuff the best we can. A bit of this information is basically kind of what you glean from yourself, while some of it can actually be gained from the art book that's available for this game. Before we really go into that, though, let's talk about the setting. This seems to be a very much alien world. One that has come to a very tragic end, as war has left the place very much devastated. A war that was actually between the primary humanoid-like beings that actually lived on this planet, and the homunculi, which they were created, be pretty much kind of a slave force for them. Fortunately, the homunculi kind of turned against them and started this big war. And destroyed quite a bit. They tried to make a living afterwards by creating a new slave force known as the Moldmen. But unfortunately, things are just not doomed for this world. Things have gone south. And our characters seem to be wanting to escape. So the game starts with us playing as the Elder. As he's crawling through this desolate landscape of this world, he's trying to reach this place. There seems to be a sort of tower in the distance, known as the Crater. While crawling his ways there, he ends up finding himself falling into a ravine, though. One that takes him down deep into the earth, in the remains of a place known as the Assembly. The place is called the Assembly because the purpose of this facility that he is now in is actually basically to recycle life takes the dead humanoids and mold men and squeezes their biological matter in order to create 
new life. In this case, it's looking to make more of these mold men. Now, the elder is going to get up and start kind of exploring around this place. But for him to get over to the crater where he's currently seeking to get to, he's going to have to seem to kind of power up this place a little bit. So you're searching for a way to get to the heart. Now, in order to be able to get through the more basic of doors, we're actually going to need to find our first item, which is that kind of wrist-mounted little key-looking thing. And to get this item, we're going to find this little device hanging on the wall and do something that happens quite a bit in this game and something that really, truly disturbs me. we got to stick our hands into this thing. There, it's going to actually graph this particular item to the back of our hand and our wrist. And it does not seem to be very pleasant by the elder's reaction. With this little key device, we can actually start using certain devices which help us open some of the doors. But in order to get real far in, yeah, there still seems to be some problems. Namely that in order to get through one of these big giant doors, we need to be able to operate two different panels at one time. But luckily, the elder does have a bit of a solution. Mostly due to the fact that this assembly place is for creating those moldments. So by using a few various little devices scattered throughout the place, we're actually going to be able to figure out a place where we can actually pull some egg-like looking things off the wall. Once you get the egg off the wall, you look on the other side of it and you can actually see these giant eggs are actually what the moldmen are grown into. Unfortunately, he's kind of kind of stuck on the inside and not really going to be very helpful at this moment. But luckily, this facility has what we need in order to help him. By using some various trans, we're able to move him throughout the facility. So eventually, we're giving an option how we want to help this guy. We can either A, use a chainsaw-like device in order to cut the shell off the back of him, which will help him escape. Or B, we could take him to a giant scoop device. One that initially I thought would be a lot more helpful because it would pretty much just scoop them out like, like you're trying to scoop out some ice cream. Unfortunately, the scoop is actually pretty violent and will very much kill him and tear him up. Now, not the end of things for you because luckily something does survive off of him and that happens to be well, an arm. And you can just grab this arm and go throw it to that key device from earlier. And then you kind of use it on the other console in order to help you open the door. Or if you took the nice route and cut him out, he's actually going to be free and start following you around. Now, unfortunately, these moldments have been growing inside these eggs for quite a while and have come a little bit deformed and messed up. So he's not getting around anywhere particularly too well. Because he's pretty messed up. Eventually, he will follow you over to that little device on the wall. Where you so graciously take his hand and force it in there. And if you didn't enjoy having your hand in there, he definitely enjoyed it a great deal less than you did. But now that we got this little device, you can lead him over to the other panel, force his hands into it, and open the big door. With this big door open, we're able to move deeper in the facility, and it closes behind us, and that poor mold man, uh, who knows what happens to him, but evidently we don't care. It's his problem. Now, deeper into this facility, we're going to be finding our next item. Well, it's going to be pretty helpful. We're going to find that bolt gun. With this, we're going to be able to use to open some other doors and activate certain devices. Now, deeper in this facility is where we're going to find the heart. And we're going to need to power it up in order to we can make our way over to the crater. So we're going to have to look for a certain devices. It look like some kind of giant jelly beans with some white mucusy stuff inside them. And we got to bring these over to this little heart area. Now, we're going to meet a, I wouldn't even call it an enemy. Some little beings call it some drones. 
which they're not really particularly hostile. They're just kind of doing their business. But if you do get hit by the steam, they could hurt a little bit. But they're really not an issue. Eventually, you're going to help moving all these little jelly bean things back to where the heart is. And we're going to use a kind of a little bit bigger version of the drone. Or to lift these big old jelly beans and insert them into the heart. With each one of these inserted, this building seems to be opening up more and more. Of course, this is scorn, and bad things do happen. As the last and final jelly bean gets inserted into the heart, this whole thing starts to malfunction. Several little pipes and veins all over this heart start exploding. The larger explosion knocks your protagonist off his feet and knock him out conscious. He slowly starts to come to, but unfortunately, he finds that some sort of white grayish matter, kind of like Nickelodeon slime, but much sicker looking, is very much flowing out of this giant heart in the middle of this building and enveloping everything, including our protagonist. And he seems to be a little trapped in there and seems to black out. It's at this point we find ourselves in the controls of the second protagonist, the youth. He's called the youth because he is literally just waking up beside his egg. An egg way up on a wall known as the Genesis Wall. Where it seems like the beings of this planet are kind of kind of hatched from. He wakes up inside his eggs and slowly rips himself open. And falls out backwards off this wall, flying on the ground. With the last act of pulling out what seems to be some sort of umbilical cord out from his stomach, he's finally free. And what he finds is a world in much worse shape than what we saw before. Not only are things a little bit darker and bleaker, and a lot more decayed looking, we see all around the bodies of Delif. We see all around us the bodies. Uh, more dead beings just like us. And quite a few. Seems like most of the others did not live very long. Luckily we seem to be perhaps a little bit more stronger. A little bit more determined. And we start walking our way. And finding our way to the outside of the crater. Now I would assume that at this point some time has passed. Because based on kind of what we saw from these facilities earlier, they were still fairly much somewhat intact. Not great shape, but still standing. But through the eyes of the youth, we can see that this place is slowly decaying. It seems to be kind of rotting and very much turning into dust and blowing away in the wind. Driven to find some way to escape this hellish, nightmarish world we've woken up into, we dive deep into the crater. What seems to be sort of factory-like area or some sort of transportation, I would say is more like it. Quite a few devices used for moving things around. Now it's not very long that we're in here before we start seeing our first sort of signs of life. We occasionally catching glimpses of something kind of crawling around, hearing it rustling around. So we know we are not quite alone. Not quite sure what this thing is or what it wants. And so far, it seems to be leaving us alone, but potentially, potentially stalking us. But we're not able to make it very far, though, as most of the doors are very much locked. We're going to have to find a way to open these doors. We're going to need a particular item. Or to get this item, we're going to have to use a giant cylinder-like key in order to activate this kind of device in the middle of one's room that has some kind of podish looking things around it. And we're going to have to wander around the facility that we is open to us in order to find some more rings to go on this kind of giant cylinder key. After searching around for a while looking for more rings to add to this key thing we found, we've actually been able to find a, another one of those contraptions to add a little smaller key type device to our back of our hand. With that, we're able to open up a few more doors, find a few more rings. But upon pulling some plugs from some sort of giant device that's powering this giant fan that we need to be able to walk through, while we're trying to exit the room, we finally get a 
close encounter with this thing that has been stalking us. And I can tell you, it is not pretty. As this kind of flat, almost leechish looking like thing very much jumps on us from the ceiling, using its kind of long, long tongue to wrap itself around our neck. It's able to climb onto our back, wrap its two arms around us, rip our stomach open, and get a very firm grip on us. One that's way too close. He just. Maybe he wants to be friends, but I'm pretty sure he's not. Now, while this does hurt us quite a bit, there is one little added bonus to this. Or I'd actually say a couple. First being is that he works almost kind of like a really disgusting backpack. He'll actually hold some items for us. Which is going to be fairly useful because we're going to be managing a couple different items. But more importantly, at the end of its long tail, is actually the bolt gun. Which is going to be a very valuable item. It's not only that we're going to need it to open up all these doors. It's actually going to be our weapon. Because, yeah, we're going to be counting some more life before long. With all the rings finally added to this device, we're able to activate this little kind of red stalk looking thing with these pods on it. Upon activating it, a little contraption at the base of it opens up. And it gives us access to very two and it gives us access to two very helpful items. One being a remote triggering device for we need to open up the doors. And the second being that kind of flat looking octopus thing that's going to be our healing items as well as our ammo holding up device. With these two valuable items finally in our possession, we do witness one of the pods nearby us actually breaks open in a humanoid like being one a little bit more like us, but seems to be a little bit healthier. Seems to emerge from it. Kind of giving the impression that maybe these beings that, whatever we are, are perhaps being grown here for eventually taking out and being planted on the Genesis wall outside. But none of that matters because he very much dies on his way out. And either way, we need to be taking care of ourselves. So with this remote door opening device in our hands, we're finally able to delve our way deeper, deeper into the crater. Unfortunately, the deeper we go into this building, the worse things seem to be getting for us. For now, the walls are definitely being destroyed a lot more, and they seem to be covered in some sort of very much disgusting, sickening decay. Made up of some sort of red, kind of fleshy bits. It looks like, very much like you'd imagine the inside of a person would, as well as basically just kind of pale, rotting, dead flesh. And it seems to be covering everything and just destroying everything as well. Shortly after encountering this wonderful new stuff that seems to be spreading out everywhere, we're going to encounter the creature that seems to be actually in the act of spreading it. We're going to be counting the workers. And yeah, this, these guys are absolutely ugly. I did not like seeing them. And the best tip I could give you is to try and avoid them what you can because while you can't take them down with the bolt gun, it's generally not worth it if you can all avoid them at all purposes. Whether you try and kill them or decide to avoid them run, which is what survival horror games are really about, running, we're going to make our way a little bit deeper and find a, seems to be kind of a series of tram cars. A little bit pod in shape and, well, they kind of run around the center part of this facility with one going to the back. But fortunately, one of the little pods that make up this kind of tram car type thing is missing and we're going to have to go find it. So diving into one of these little side areas of this, we'll start encountering our second enemies, the chickens. And they're not really in particularly bad. And they're not any particularly better looking. So yeah, this world does have something. Not sure if I would call it life. But there's some stuff out there. Just nothing that seems to want to be our friend so far. Now you could take them down. You could run from them. Before too long, we eventually find our first very, very, very valuable item. Our first weapon. 
or first, I would say, real weapon, we find the revolver. And this wonderful little thing, basically, we're going to pop off the little bolt part of this gun, or the full gun, and this just slaps right on the front, and it's going to be extremely helpful. But using it, we're going to be able to clear out some of these areas where a little bit more condensed with the workers and these little chicken guys. Which is going to allow us access to further back in the side area. We're finally going to be able to find some extra little tram cars and able to bring one back to the center area. And using it, we're able to rotate around to the very back of the facility where we counter something that's basically even worse. We're at the space of this giant tower that we're wanting to climb up or at the, here at the crater. We're going to encounter the Crater Queen. And this basically horrible, ungodly, unsightly thing. If you've ever seen that video game or any screenshots of the video game that it was called, uh, I had them out and I must scream. This is kind of what this creature looks like. Or if you've seen Little Mermaid, these are the kind of little black algae looking things that Ursula turns them into. Basically no jaw. Big eyes. Kind of a little slumpy looking. Got some arms and legs, but it's very much stuck on top of the elevator. Which is unfortunate because, yeah, we need to be able to take this elevator up. And we, there's no other way up. Running around the area surrounding this elevator, we're going to be activating various devices, which are going to help us activate this elevator. Unfortunately, they're going to be kind of... Ripping up this Crater Queen a little bit. She's not happy about it. Unfortunately, for her, unfortunately, there's not much she can do about there, but just kind of stay there and take there. Now, we're not really sure exactly what she is. My best assumption would be that at one point she may have been some sort of living being like we were. And whatever this... Gunk and stuff that's everywhere. It's probably transformed her and she's basically given birth to all these workers and these chickens. As well as the new enemy we're about to encounter, the Brute. And these guys are pretty tough. Definitely don't try and take them on with your bolt gun. Can't use a revolver, but you're going to be going through a lot of ammo. And one of the things about this game is... You are extremely limited on health and ammunition. But fortunately, we find our second attachment for the bolt gun. We're going to find the shotgun. And it's going to be absolutely devastating against these guys. Thank God. Fortunately, yeah, ammo is even more rare for this thing than the pistol. But make sure you're using it very wisely. Now, finally, with all the little devices activated... We get the, the elevator powered back on. We're able to take this thing to the top. Unfortunately for the Crater Queen, she's a little stuck on the elevator. And, well, once we get to the top, yeah, she may be perhaps a little bit squished. I would imagine she's dead, even though you can hear a little bit of money, so possibly she survived. Personally, Given how disturbing she is, I definitely hope she bit the bullet. Now that we finally got access to the top of the crater, we're actually going to be able to activate this kind of monorail looking thing, which is going to take us far, far away to a very place that we've been hoping to get to all along. We're finally going to be able to reach a temple, a temple called Polis. If you didn't find the rest of Scorn so far disturbing, this is probably going to be taking it to a whole different level for you. As there is a great deal of graphic imagery. Is these guys were definitely very much on the dirty side. And there is a lot of highly sexual stuff going on here. But this is actually going to be a place we're going to need. Because we're going to escape from this hellish world. This temple. Is going to be our only escape. Now by the time you reach Polis. We've already started to counter something with. A parasite on us. Not only has it taken a few more opportunities. To kind of. 
dig into our guts a little bit more, we've actually had some kind of vine-like growth starting to grow down our arms. Now that we're here in Polis, it seems to be picking up. Whatever this parasite is that's on our back, seems to be trying to potentially take us over. And we can't have that. As we enter this temple, in the middle of it, we're going to find a room that has a bunch of Seems to be cross-like devices with a bunch of other humanoid aliens, just like us, hanging from them. Each of their heads seems to be having this kind of red tentacles or tendrils kind of coming out the top and going across the ceiling and joining together. They seem to be forming some sort of hive mind. In the back of this room is a giant door, one which will lead us to our escape. Before we get through there, we got to find a way to open it. So going down toward the lower levels of this temple, we're going to encounter something that bothered me a great, great deal. In order to power a couple of robots up in the center of the temple so that we could try and open the door and make our escape, we got to power them up. And we're going to find out what basically the power source that these guys have been using. Turns out these first little race of slaves that they had been growing before, the Monculus was their power. And as we've already kind of talked about, the Monculus looks like some very heavily deformed babies. And they're stuck in these kind of giant red tube things. Imagine, if you play Death Stranding, imagine BB in that game, but a BB that's perhaps came out of, I'd say, something like the Hills Allies. It's not pretty. And we're going to find out probably why they rebelled, because how they turn these guys into batteries is you kind of have to put them into this device and basically squish them. Admittedly, not a very glamorous life. As we take these babies and basically throw them in this device and squish them, we're going to learn that they're perhaps not so helpless. And we're going to encounter our first, well, only and closest thing to a boss battle we're going to encounter in this game. We're going to be finding the Homunculus in one of their little mechanized suits. And they're pretty tough, especially in the fact that they have a very powerful grenade launcher, and you don't. In order to combat these guys, you're basically going to have to be kind of dodging and avoiding them, waiting for them to open up some backpacks on their back so they can reload. And that's your opportunity in order to kind of blast away at them and hopefully take one down. Once you're able to take one down, you're finally actually able to grab that grenade launcher just in time because, yeah, another one of these homunculi's come down because, yeah, you need a little bit more baby juice to power up these machines. And it's a little bit easier battle. You just have to rob ammo from the back of the dead one. Fortunately, he goes down for too long. With all the little baby juice finally in the batteries that we need, you think it's time that we finally make our escape. But yeah, as we already said, this is scorn and nothing goes right. Is it this time that this parasite has been on our back? It kind of starts to grow over us in a much more dangerous way. So we're almost completely covered by these vines all over our bodies to the point that we basically can't even use our hands anymore. So we're stuck with the grenade attachment and we can't pick up anything at all. Now, so at this point is where it comes such a high priority that we finally take care of our little backpack friend. So, in order to get down there into this little surgery area, we're going to have to be regularly inserting our hands into these devices, which are going to basically mutilate them and destroy the little overgrowth. It looks pretty painful, though, in order to open some of these doors. Barely getting into the last one time, we find ourselves in a very disturbing-looking little surgery area where we're able to find a contraption that we can lie down in and use it to finally rip off this parasite off her back. With our backpack finally dislodged from us, we're able to take a good look at it, 
at this point, or you're finally going to start connecting a couple dots. Because on the back of this parasite, you can actually see a face. One just like ours. And given that the bolt gun was actually attached to the tail of this thing, you could kind of put two and two together that this parasite that we've been hogging, or you could kind of put two and two together that this parasite that we've been traveling with this whole time is actually the first protagonist that we were playing at the beginning of the game. And whatever that white gooey stuff that had burst out of the heart of the assembly had transformed us into something god awful. Parasite, though, he's not happy with this all. He's able to break loose and kind of scurry away into the walls of this building. But, fortunately, while trying to get down to this area, he to make one last little attempt to basically rip out our insides. At this point, we're pretty much very much dying. So, stumbling our way back into the center area of the Polis Temple, with bad in our hands, we're able to go to the center and activate a couple little bit of robots that are lying around. Which then straps us into this little center area with another one of those cross things, which allows us to draw the hive mind and take control of those robots. Now, at this point, the only thing that's kind of keeping us alive seems to be this device that we're attached to. It has seen various arms that are kind of Trying to do surgery in order to keep us alive. But using these robots, we're able to. But using these robots, we're able to open the final door, able to detach ourselves from this machine, as well as take one of the arms that was kind of working on us and keeping us alive so we could attempt to walk our way through the door. As we go through the door, by ourselves seems to be a bit of a long bridge. On the other side of this bridge, what appears to be a portal. Portal that may be escape for us to finally get away from this god-awful world. But it's not for too long walking through the store that this robot finally breaks down, leaving us no choice but to try and crawl our way through. But, once again, this is scorn. And nothing good can never happen. We don't make it for too long for our very friendly and loving backpack decides to join us once again. And unfortunately in our weekend state and unfortunately in our weekend state we have no hope of fighting him off. He finally attaches himself to us once again. At this point there's nothing we can do but just lie there. So the game ends with showing a little bit of passing of time as this parasite slowly grows over us, taking over our whole body, and we find ourselves trapped here forever, immobile, one with them. So that is Scorn. So altogether, I would say this is a, in my thought, a very excellent game. I would very much recommend that you check it out. Even if you don't, definitely watch some gameplay video. The art direction for this game is really excellent and truly unique and worth seeing. So it's not an overly long game, only about five to six hours. You can actually buy it for about, I want to say $39.99. But given that it's been out for a little over a year now, you can actually grab it on a couple of sales here on Steam or even Epic Games. Grab it, you know, $20, maybe even less. It's not a bad deal if you're looking for a deal. And while it's not traditional scary, I would say, not a lot of jump scares, it does build a great deal with the atmosphere and designs. It's something, something unique you don't normally see a lot of and worth checking out. And while it doesn't have the traditional amount of jump scares and kind of little spooky tropes and stuff that you normally think of, it still manages to be a Fairly creepy and scary game. Kind of like the Saw movies where it's horrible and god-awful stuff that you're seeing, but yet you just want to keep watching just to see what's going to be next. 
So coming up, I'm thinking for our next episode, I'm still planning on talking about the PlayStation 2 horror RPG, Data Hearts. Now, I'm still working out after that, but currently I'm thinking we're probably going to be checking out a couple games that left me a little, a little surprised in different ways. I'm thinking we're probably going to be talking about our next, or after Shadow Hearts, we will be looking at one called The Suicide at Rachel Foster. One that, while it's fairly controversial for certain and very important reasons, it gave me some hope for to be something truly interesting. Fortunately, it fell apart in several, several ways. And we'll follow that up with, I'm thinking, The Callisto Protocol. A bit more recently released game that had a lot of hope for it. Unfortunately, just didn't quite land. And after that, I'm thinking we might jump back a little bit. Check out something fairly earlier. Probably talk about a game called Dino Crisis. Another Capcom survival horror classic. It was released not too long after Resident Evil. So that's going to be our episode, guys. Of all means, I'd love to hear from you. If you have any comments, questions, ideas for upcoming episodes, you can just share your thoughts on the game. We'll talk about those on the following episodes. You reach out to me on Twitter or X at Just New Gaming, or you can email me at pixelhorrorpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to check out some video versions of this, even just some fun gameplays of several various horror games and more coming, you can follow me on YouTube at Just Nukem Gaming, or occasionally I'll pop up on Twitch at Just Nukem All. Finally, if you'd like to support the channel, you can actually do that in a couple of different ways. Got a couple of dollars you don't mind throwing away, you help me buy more games and kind of keep this thing going. I'll have a link below where you can actually go do that. Otherwise, just subscribe, like, share, and leave a good rating when possible. All that helps out to keep things going. So thank you for joining my friends. I do appreciate y'all. Make sure you stay tuned for more upcoming episodes. But until then, make sure you keep your flashlight handy. Stay out of those dark corners. Try your best to survive until dawn.